Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and I am excited to come before you tonight as I bring you greetings from on high. My God, my God, what a mighty God we serve. God is a great and an awesome God, and he is worthy of all the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory. Tonight is Thursday night, y'all, and y'all know what time it is. It is time for Bible study. We continue in our chronological review of the Bible. (laughs) Tonight, we're going to be talking about the story of Noah. We're going to be talking about Noah. And guess what? We got a field trip planned for the family. I pray that you all who can will join us. We are going to see Noah's Ark. They got a a presentation museum out in Kentucky, and we are going to journey there on July 16th, Saturday, July 16th. We're going to go to Noah's Ark, and, uh, and then on Sunday, the 17th, we're going to go, I mean, we're going to have a tea party. Everybody's going to have their big hats. I hope you get a hat. Everybody's going to have their big hats and beautiful gowns on. And we're going to have a tea party. And then we're getting a special guest, a princess, a princess. Um, so I'm ready for it. Anyway, so I want to invite you to join us every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., on the prayer line. We will be here praying for our family, praying for our community, praying for our nation, praying for this entire world. We're going to pray for the ministry and all those who are in need. Uh, I'm going to publish the uh, Zoom uh, link on Facebook, I think in in the family group and on the, uh, well, I'm not ready to publish it on the church page yet. (laughs) Well, maybe I will. Since I said I'm going to go ahead and publish it, I just don't want to conjure up a whole bunch of uh, unsolicited. Uh, But anyway, everybody is welcome to join so long as you are coming uh, in need and or to help. (laughs) So uh, we're going to open up the prayer lines and I'm telling you, God is a faithful God. He is answering prayers over this way as we continue to trust him and put our faith in him. There is nothing, absolutely nothing impossible for God. He is doing great things. I was sharing on the prayer line the other morning. I said, you know what? I'm trusting God for a building. We need a facility. We need a place to gather. We need a place to uh, not just to fellowship uh, with the church, but to have programs. And even uh, we're considering, not considering, we are we are in the process of uh, standing up a daycare center. Uh, and I really, I've been thinking this through, y'all. So y'all pray with me. I really want to move forward with the charter school. I met with a um, consultant and and she was trying to discourage me against it. But you know what? Sometimes you ain't got to share everything with everybody. But that is my my dream, to bring and serve the community in that way, uh, to bring education, education 
uh, godly education into the community. So you all continue to pray for us as we continue to journey along what God has called us to do. Uh, We are planting uh, the ministry, and I'm telling you, we're going to have some mass weddings and some mass baptism. So y'all better get get ready. Get ready. Now, if you're shacking up, you ain't got no business shacking up. It's time to get married. Let's get it fixed. Let's get, let's get everything together. Listen, I wouldn't want to be outside of the will of God in this season. I want to be in his will. And I'm telling you, if I were you, I would do any and everything that is necessary to be in his will. And then we're going to have a massive uh, baptism, a recommitment to Christ. Amen. I may even get baptized. Y'all know I'm funny about getting water other folks in. (laughs) But, you know, we all got to get clean. So anyway, um, where was I? We need to pray. (laughs) So I'm going to let Mary lead us out in prayer. Uh, You got your memory verses, Mary? All right. So we're going to we're going to pray. Let Mary lead us out and then we can get into our study tonight. We're going to be talking about Noah. I can't wait. (laughs) <laughs> Get into this word. All right, praise the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for guiding and covering us, Lord. Um, We just want to come to you tonight and we ask that you increase our faith. We ask that you give us discernment. Um, We ask that you continue to open our minds, our ears, and our hearts towards you, Lord. Um, We understand that by faith, the by faith, we understand that the universe form was formed at God's command, so that what we see is not what is not made out of what is visible, Lord. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, Lord. So we thank you so much for giving our hearts the desire to seek you, Lord. We thank you so much for increasing increasing our faith each and every day, Lord. We ask that you continue to work on our faith, Lord, because this is a faith walk, Lord. We ask that the word that we use to nourish our bodies continue to increase our faith in you, Lord. As the rain and the snow comes down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields the seed for the sour and bread for the eater. So is the Lord's word that goes out of his mouth and it will will not return empty to him, but will accomplish what he desires and achieve the purpose for which it was sent, Lord. So we thank you so much for sending your word to continue to flourish us, our mind, our body, and the earth, Lord. We ask that you continue to help us increase our authority and our power over our life, Lord, so that we will not return back empty to you the word that you have blessed us with and have given us. Thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a powerful prayer. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word that it will not return unto you, boy. Amen. So we know that we put the word out in the atmosphere. (laughs) And God is such an awesome God. So we're going to talk about Noah today. And so that gets us into uh, Genesis uh, 6 through 9. 
and we're gonna get in there. You know, I've been having a hard time today with my vision. My vision is blurred, and I never could find what I did with my um, my glasses. Remember those? Um, what were them glasses I had? Were they Versace? No, not Versace, because I, I wouldn't wear that with that Medusa. What is it? Not the Tiffany ones. The, the ones that kind of had the angle to them. It'd be messed up when people be taking your stuff. Yeah. Remember I used to have them glasses? All this time, I done thought I lost these glasses. And they've been in there. Okay. Um, I forgot. Oh, Prada. Oh, I the don't Prada. know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, this this has been good. I, I've been taking some notes and putting some stuff together for this study because I'm excited about our field trip. Oh, yes. And I want God to make it so real. And we uh, we actually, we found the service uh, to, to do the, uh, the princess, to bring in the princess. Did I tell you mm-hmm. about the girl? And I, yeah, so I wind up calling her. She said she can do it. She just said she she would have to rent a dress. But then she said she wore something to a wedding and she could put a tiara on. And uh, that still ain't do too good. I don't know. Is that some Windex or something? Clean these. They just, they got a blur in them. I wonder, sometimes those uh, little wipes work. Okay, this this good. Okay, I'm good. I'm good now. Ooh. Yeah, that's still. I'm going to get my ass checked. But anyway, so so we're gonna start in. Yeah, that ain't that ain't happening. <laughs> we're gonna start in. Uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 6 and and through uh, chapter 9. I think it even goes on through chapter 10, uh, possibly. Uh, But we're just going to stop at 9. But a few things to consider while we're going through this word is a a few 
key points that we want to acknowledge in the beginning so that we can see this as we go through uh, the word, that God, number one, has a right to judge his creation, right? And that's where I was going to start. I was going to start over here. I was about to get into that. Uh, He has a right to judge his creation and he takes sin very, very seriously. Amen. Uh, Man left to himself goes from bad to worse. So we know that to be true. Walking with God results in deliverance from judgment. Amen. God always leaves a remnant. My God. So we will always have a remnant in the earth, a a witness. God is always going to leave someone uh, that that will... uh, you know, proclaim his word, amen, in the earth. God's people cannot remain silent in the face of coming judgment. Others must be warned, amen. Now, that's the thing we ain't supposed to be silent about instead of trying to fight people on the job about Roe versus Wade. That ain't God. All right, God, uh, when God judges, he is thorough, but he does not... uh, Destroy the righteous with the wicked. My God, God does not destroy the righteous with the wicked. You know, I've heard over the years people preach, um, you know, that God is is a just God and he reigns on the just as well as, as the unjust. And we take that to mean that the things of this world, the wicked things of this world is our plight, is our fate, is that... You know, that's not necessarily true. When God passes judgment, he protects his own. Amen. Uh, God often gives instruction that does not appear to make sense to us. He always requires faith to produce action. So a lot of times we go through things. uh, Even see been texting me all day. She's been coming under attack with this... um, uh, legal journal that she's trying to develop and birthed out for the ministry and somebody's trying to sabotage her and um, you know the enemy is so jealous <laughs> but I just told her have faith have faith we see where it's at now but we know God is going to turn that situation around alright God keeps his promises and Noah had to survive for Genesis 3.15 to be fulfilled. Amen. God prefers mercy over judgment. And you remember what, what was written in Genesis 3.15. You remember that? Go back. What was the promise that God gave in Genesis 3.15? So in order for that to be fulfilled, <laughs> Noah had to survive the flood. Those who follow God are altered people. Those who follow God are altered people. We are altered people. God prefers mercy over judgment. He doesn't, you know, get a kick out of judging and, and, and uh, uh, us reaping, you know, in a negative way. 
All right, God shapes his people's lives by giving them promises and pictures of redemption to keep them, um, to give them hope for the future and something to teach generations after them. One of the things I just don't think we did well uh, as, as Christians over the last few generations is teaching the next generation about God. We don't got so far away from, you know, the church. We don't got so far away from God that we just do not uh, pass down teachings to the next generation. And God is a God of covenant. He had a covenant with Abraham. He fulfilled that covenant. And he had a covenant with Noah. Amen. All right. So what were some of the... um, judgments that we have learned so far, right? So we talked about the creation. We talked about Cain and Abel. What are some of the judgment stories that we have learned so far and some of their consequences? That was that was an Old Testament required. I mean, a requirement, and it was fulfilled. How? Um, so, like, are you talking about how it changed Ultimately. in the New Testament? Yeah, he sent Jesus Christ to shed His blood to, for us to be forgiven for our sins. Amen. Amen. All right, turn to Ezekiel fourteen and uh, thirteen, and I want you to read thirteen, fourteen, and twenty. Son nor daughter. 
they would save only themselves by their righteousness. So the prophet was telling them, he was, he was giving them a warning. Now you already saw the way that God judges, right? And he is a righteous judge. <coughs> he is a merciful judge. And he judges fairly. So it ain't like God going to judge you and you don't deserve to be judged. But he said, look, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were here, they're the only ones that get saved. You know why? Because of their righteousness. And so Ezekiel was warning them of what was to come. But again, being hard-headed, they, you know, did whatever they wanted to do. Go to uh, 1 Peter 3 and, and 20 and read that one. So think about it. God is a long-suffering God. So in other words, he waited all that time. If you remember, and, and this is something that, like I said, I always gain new things when I go back through the Bible. But what, what grasped me this time was the fact that God said before he wiped the face of the earth, this all-knowing God who is everywhere all the time, who is omniscient, omnipresent. He said, look, y'all living a little bit too long. I'm about sick of blowing breath into y'all and life into y'all. I'm going to give y'all 120 years. And then after that, he decided to eliminate the earth. Because look, he said, I want to give you an opportunity to not get the judgment passed on you. But guess what? We were disobedient. All right. And uh, Peter 2, verses 4 through 5 uh, and, and 9. So I'll, I'll read it in summary. Noah, he was a preacher of righteousness. The word of God says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. The thing is that what we have to understand as Christians, God is a God who judges and we cannot get out of that judgment. We may have delayed uh, uh, consequences, but eventually the wages of sin is death. 
So there's no getting around there. What what Peter what Peter is trying to help them understand in this passage is look. If he took part of his first creation, the angels, and threw them in hell because of their sin, and then turned around and wiped out a whole entire world because they were ungodly but saved Noah, he is a God who will, he'll sacrifice it all. But guess what? He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He knows how to take those who belong to him. So we don't have to worry what I'm getting from that. We don't have to worry about the things that we see going on around us because we know that we are the righteousness of Christ and he protects and covers and shields his own. Let me go to uh, Luke 17, 26 and 27. Let me see if I want to read it in my message Bible. See real quick. Yeah, let me read it in the King James. What I say? Luke 26 and 27. The word of God said, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They shall eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. No man knows the day, the time, or the hour. And we continue to live like God has not given us these instructions. That's why it's so important, especially in this season. We see what's going on. There's so much going on. And it's so important for us to have a clean heart and to live according to God's will, live according to his purpose and live according to his plan. We can't do it our way, especially not in this season. What we've learned about God is we are going through the word. We, we, we've gotten through our study in creation. We've talked about Cain and Abel. And so we learned that God is an orderly God. God is the creator of all things. And guess what? God communicates with us. He communes with us. God sees and knows everything. He judges sin justly. (laughs) He (coughs) evaluates his own creation. So he has standards. He gives rules. He has principles and precepts in which we ought to live by. And God is holy and can only be approached how in his own way. God seeks humility and confession from man in order for reconciliation to occur. What we've learned about sin is that man becomes angry when confronted over sin. We saw that. And that jealousy occurs when sin is when sin prevails. Jealousy occurs between brothers. Man often ignores God's warnings. We always ignore those warnings, whether the warning comes uh, through others or through circumstances. It's funny because we do that with with thunderstorm warnings. We just sit around. We like, okay, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. And a lot of people who have been caught up in them storms be like, man, I wish I would have listened to the warning. Mercy is withheld from those who refuse to confess 
and forsake their sins. Mercy, God's mercy is withheld. Disobedience severely caused everyone involved. Amen. So God is showing us. He's a just God. He's a loving God. He's an awesome God. But he's also a God who judges sin. God destroyed the entire world with the flood. Yet Noah and his family were safe inside the ark because they were obedient to God. The rain began in the second month and continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. Now remember, 40 days and 40 nights, there's a huge significance throughout the Bible. The water was deep enough to cover the highest places on the earth with at least uh, 15 cubits of water or seven meters. Probably the mountains uh, were not as high as they are today and the oceans were not as deep, but it covered the entire earth. The waters covered the highest places. All the people, all the animals, all the birds were destroyed except those that were on the ark. The waters covered the highest places for 150 days. God uh, stopped the rain. He stopped the flow of the water from the earth. And he sent a wind to blow on the water and uh, began to dry the earth. And he forced nature um, under his control. So once again, he created the heavens and the earth. (laughs) He destroyed everything in it, except Noah and his family. Those eight and all of the animals that went in with him. Uh, In the seventh month, the ark rested on the top of one of the mountains of uh, Ararat. The earth was still mostly covered with water, but it continued to go down. In Genesis 8, 5 through 12, we learned that in the 10th month, Noah could see the tops of the other mountains uh, in the area. 40 days after that, Noah sent out a dove and he sent out a raven to see uh, if they could find dry land. The dove came back and uh, could not find any dry place. Seven days later, later, Noah sent the dove out again. And it came back with an olive leaf. And there were trees growing, but it was still not dry enough. And so seven days after that, he sent that dove out again. And this time it did not come back because it found a dry place to live. I used to always hear that story about how Noah sent that dove out. And eventually the dove didn't come back. And I'm like, well, why? (laughs) What? But he found a place to live. He, he didn't want to stay out there in that water. He like, look, I know it's dry out here, so I'm coming back here. <laughs> in the 11th month, after the flood began, Noah removed the covering of the ark. A month after that, God told him to leave the ark. Uh, they had been in the ark for about one year and 10 days. Can you imagine that? A year and 10 days. Now, I know we love each other. But if God, let me see, 40 cubic feet up, 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 up in one house, that's about a house <laughs> for, for a whole year. And t- I, I could probably do it with my husband and my children. But can you imagine if I had to do it with my daddy 
my mama and my siblings, uh, yeah, I probably would have made it. <laughs> I would have made it. But anyway, all right, God promised to destroy the world and to save uh, people and the people and the animals that were on the ark, and he kept his promise. Um, and uh, the story of the flood explains how a lot of what we see today in science that is coming, uh, that is being uncovered, a lot of their research, it explains why, right? Certain cracks in the earth, certain deposits in the ocean and in the sea, fossils and, and things that they're find, finding is, is leading them back to, um, you know, support the story of the ark and the flood. In Genesis 9, 1 through uh, 4, God gave Noah and his sons commandments and they were told to have children and they were told to fill the earth. So he wanted them to repopulate the earth, be fruitful and multiply. So here we see that pattern happening. And once again, God made covenant with man and he instructed them, be fruitful and multiply. God gave Noah and his sons authority. He gave them authority, that covenant, that dominion to control the animals, the birds, the fish. And he told them that they can eat up any of the animals. Remember that? Remember the eat thing? Here we go again. <laughs> but this time, uh, they can, they were only allowed to eat the uh, animals that not have blood, had blood in them, live animals. And they were allowed to eat plants. God commanded um, that any person who murders someone will be put to death by people. Remember that? Uh, God's death penalty is God's righteous judgment for murder. And see, man, this is the thing to get me. Man think that they have the right to take a life. They think that they can have the death penalty. But God is the govern governing governance over man. He said, look, if you kill by man's hands, you're going to die by man's hands. It's not a, a, a principle. It's a reality. And so man took that to mean, well, hey, if somebody kills somebody, we can go to our courts and we can kill them too. No, that is delayed abortion, but I ain't going to go there. All right. God promised never again to destroy the earth with the flood and he gave what is a simple you oh, remember yes, yes he gave a rainbow and Noah's sons did have many children and all the descendants came from Noah and it's funny because in the in the study they brought out the fact that uh Noah could have possibly have known Adam because so no, Noah was his daddy was uh 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 uh-uh, layman. His grandfather was Seth, and Seth was Adam's son. So I can imagine. So that was forged right. So we see in this in this uh era, we see four generations. So it's not uncommon that he wouldn't have known he would have known his grandfather it is now especially in the black community <laughs> our men <coughs> don't live long yeah yeah so they they most likely 
he knew his great 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 grandfather right uh Noah's sons what did I say they had many children and all descendants uh came from Noah and his three sons were the fathers of all races all nations all people of the world and Genesis uh 10 it gives us a detailed list of their descendants and where they live and so when you think about uh <laughs> when you think about what these evangelicals believe that is not true, they believe that um, uh, Japheth was of European descent. And they believe that Ham was of African and Asian descent and that Shem was of Hebrew descent. And so if you think about why it is in their best interest to think that way, it's because the, the European race have an indignation of believing that they are superior because of the curse that uh, uh, Noah put on his son. So they feel like they're superior and they, they're supposed to be the ones to rule the, rule the world. And, you know, the black folk supposed to be the ones to um, to serve them. The devil is a liar. All right, so all people spoke at that time. They all spoke the same language and they did not travel all over the world. Um, they, they stayed in their places until, you know, later on they started to travel and they wanted to stay in one place and they began to build a city and and it's thought that that city is near Baghdad which which I don't say it kills me but it bothers me if the city is in a place that's so far away from Europe how is it <laughs> did y'all think did y'all were the, the you know were the ones no just cut it out all right so they started to build the great tower of bricks and it, and they called it the Tower of Babel. And they wanted to reach it on, up to heaven and the tower was a religious center and it was a sign of their pride and their disobedience to God. And it's like, okay, so you want to be a God. You want to you want to be like God and take yourself from from earth to heaven. And I say this all the time. If we saw what happened back then, why why don't we learn the lessons? And the thing about me too, I'm I'm hard-headed in certain areas. And I don't learn lessons well either. But it's like, come on now. Stop going up in in, in the atmosphere because I can't say space no more after that. That one guy told us they not really going into space. They going, you know, some of them when they when they go to the moon or Mars whatever. But a lot of them is saying they going to space, they not. But the point of the matter is, you see what God did. He he destroyed Babel, and he spread them out. How many times? Right. And then we we wonder why we got all of this uh, all this weather trouble and all of this stuff that we see today. All right. So uh, what was that? God was not pleased with their rebellion. God sees all. History tells us that God uh, is a God who is jealous. 
God don't want us worshiping nobody. They started worshiping the sun. They started worshiping the moon, the stars. They started worshiping images and people and other gods. They just started making stuff up. And they were under the, the, the influence of the enemy. And these were people who were evil. Remember the scripture said they were even, I mean, like they couldn't even, they couldn't even function without thinking evil. It's like, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> they were so, so messed up and they were so evil. But in this world that we live in now, it's almost the same. And right. And the scripture talks about how God, when he made that covenant with the rainbow, it says, he said, look, I know y'all going to have this little evil problem for forever. So I'm going to make this covenant with you. I'm not ever going to destroy the earth like this, you know, but we don't know what's going to happen. It might be some fire. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that during that time, their hearts were filled so much with evil. Like they were having sex with angels and creating uh, uh, giants. And and I don't know. I'm just like, did one of Noah's kids have... I mean, because we, we still got some tall people. It's like, no, but I know they were all destroyed. All right. So, so anyway, so we know the story of Babel, right? That God, he, he struck down the tower... He destroyed the land. He scattered them. He changed their language. They couldn't even talk. And that's why it's important when you when you praying in, in spiritual warfare, start praying that them demons just they fail to communicate. That God just scramble up their uh, communication lines that they can't even communicate with each other. Because sometimes when you can talk together, put two heads together, you know, and uh, accomplish what you what you're uh, looking to do. But today, we, we kind of experience the same thing, right? We, we don't want to walk in obedience to God's will. And we live for the pleasure of money, false gods, selfless, selfishness, humanism, materialism, you know, and we displace uh, humanism and materialism with religion or Christianity. Like I was sharing with you about what was going on uh, with uh, with those people on the job and it's like they want somebody to follow along with them saying that this is a, a, a right, it's, it's, it's some kind of Christian battle that we ought to be fighting and it's like no, it's your entitlement that causes you to believe that you can that you can make a non-Christian company comply with your Christian views. That's not even what we're here for. You're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel. Let's let's do a Bible study in the church. I mean, in the church and on the job, since they allow us to be able to, you know, have these types of forums. Let's start being the ones who pursue the path of peace so that people won't be looking at us because I guarantee you those people were the only ones, the only, they call them affinity groups, that was making all that noise about, oh, oh, we can't talk about this. Why can't we talk about this? And, you know, this is supposed to be a forum where we all can talk. No, you can't talk about it because it's a controversial uh, topic 
and the Christians are going to be fighting the Christians, and ain't nobody got time for that. I'm so glad I got out of that group. I was trying to be nosy, but, <laughs> but I got out. All right, so let's get back to our study. Genesis 9, uh, 6 and 9. All right, we're going to start actually with 5 and 28 and 29. It says, Lameth lived 182 years, and he had a son, and he called his name Noah saying, this one will comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Remember, when when God kicked Adam out of Eden, he told him, you're going to toil the land for the rest of your life. Just like the woman, her curse was, you're going to uh, have labor pains when you birth something out. He said, Adam, I'm going to give you a version of that. Anything that you want to produce that is life uh, producing from the ground, you're going to have to work for it. All right. Um, Genesis 6, 1 through 8. It says, now it came to pass when man, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them and the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So now y'all just out here just taking up wives. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not uh, strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So he said, look, I ain't gonna be with y'all always. Nah, (laughs) y'all gonna be alive for 120 years, all this living for 900 years. We ain't going to have that. That's why it's so hard for people to connect to that because it's so far removed uh, from our generations. All right, so the giants were, uh, there were giants in the earth during those days. And also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. (laughs) That just didn't sound right. No, (laughs) that didn't sound right. Okay. So when they, when they, uh, you know, whatever, into the daughters of, of, of men, then they bore children. And this is where those, those giants were. So those were the mighty men who were of old men and renowned. So they were known, they were renowned in, 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 in their area. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every thought of his heart was only evil continually. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like every thought that you have is an evil thought? Like for me, I'm telling you, I I do believe, and I always teach this, even when I do, you know, the life coaching, because you've gone through some of that, that you cannot control your thoughts. You, in, in the sense that, when a thought comes, you cannot control it. Now, you can control what goes into your gates that contribute to your thoughts, what you're hearing every day, the music you listen to, the television shows you're watching, and, and, you know, you sit around, and some of that stuff will come back on you, and you'll be like, oh, why am I thinking like this? But I try to be very conscious of my thoughts. When I start going down a dark path, I stop. And even if I have to call on the name Jesus, my biggest thing is when I start going through stuff, I'm telling you, I hate, I absolutely hate discord. Like I hate that. I hate going through 
drama, even though I seem to be sucked into it a lot of times and my attitude gets me in it. But I hate going through drama. And so whenever I have a conflict with somebody, especially somebody that I love, Especially somebody that I love, then I think I'm too reflection on that. Um, then I think about it all night, and sometimes I just have to break that because the enemy will keep those thoughts in my mind, and I just have to call on the name Jesus. Uh, but but with them, their thoughts were only evil continuously. That means that's what they thought about all day. And the Lord said, "I will destroy man." whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds in the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Uh (laughs) That's something. God say, look, I'm sorry that I created, I even created mankind. Y'all getting on my nerves. All right, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God because he was obedient. He was obedient. All right, continuing on in 9 through 22, but still in chapter 6. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was a just man, perfect in his generations. Now, this, this challenges me because sometimes I'm not, I'm not questioning how God measured justice, but Noah and and. Uh, Moses and David, they kind of confused me a little bit. And even Peter. I'm like, Noah was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. He needed to get himself together. All right, but anyway, the Bible records him as a just man and also as perfect in his generation. He walked with God. He walked with God. That means he understood his identity. Remember how we talked about when Adam sinned, When Adam walked with God, his identity was God because God said, let us make him in what? Our generation. But when he was separated from God, when Cain killed Abel and they had their son Seth and Seth made what? A a son in his image. So now we're getting away from the image of God, the divine order, the divine identity, and we're, we're... transitioning into man's identity. But then Noah took it back. He said, I'm going to walk with God. And that means that he was walking in God's identity. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was so corrupt uh, before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, he said, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He said, I'm going to destroy you with the earth. My goodness. He told Noah, he said, make yourself an ark. And this is how you shall make it. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything 
that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two by two of every sort of ark, of, uh, of every sort into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, and you shall take for yourself all the food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded them, so he did. Amen. So he he brought all of them. So a lot of times people be like, oh, uh, you know, if, if the Bible is real, if the Bible is true, then why... <laughs> Why is it that we got these animals now that wasn't wasn't on the earth back then? How you know? How you know? All we know is he took two of everything. But what what we do know for sure is that all mankind was wiped out except the eight. But we don't know what all animals. We weren't out there doing no inventory. All right, seven and one, Genesis seven and one. It says, then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. You and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy the face of the earth, all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him in the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month, the seventh day of the month, on the day all fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows were open and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. All flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man, all whose nostrils <laughs> was the breath of the life of of, of the spirit of life, all that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping things and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Eight and one says, then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. Uh, and then in eight and 13, it says, and it came to pass in Noah's 601st year in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and look, and indeed, the surface of the ground was dry. In 8 and 15, then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' sons with your wife. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took every clean item, I'm, I'm sorry, every clean animal, and every clean bird, and offered burnt, burnt offerings 
on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, (laughs) nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Amen. So we see uh, that God was a merciful God. He said, look, I'm going to wipe this earth out, but I'm going to fill it back up. And we're going to pause here and come back and talk about each of these chapters. So, so let's talk about Genesis 6. Genesis 6, what does mankind's identity look like now? So when we go back to Genesis 6, what did mankind's identity look like? Um, I think I remember this from the last Bible study that we were made from man this time, not from God. Yeah, but, but what were... If you go back to Genesis chapter six, now that we're approaching, yeah, what was what was their identity? What what's the makeup of mankind then? You remember? Um, it was the remember the angels were. Yeah, the, the angels uh, saw the women to be beautiful, so they picked out wives for themselves. So they started creating children based on their beauty and their strength. Mm-hmm. Your nasty giants. And then they started, you know, uh, being evil, right? Yep. They, they were evil. All right, so when God first sees the wickedness of man, how does he respond? He started regretting making earth. Yeah. The first thing he did was he, he promised to give them 120 years before he would end their life. Remember, he's trying to give, give them an opportunity to turn from their ways. He said, look, I'm going to give y'all 120 years because this 900 years living evil ain't ain't working for me. (laughs) And so he gives them time to repent and he doesn't just immediately bring judgment. God does that for us all the time. And they continue to live the way that they lived up until the moment that Noah was on the ark. As a matter of fact, I believe because the Bible is not clear that on the first day of the 40, everybody died. So if you think about it, it was probably some stragglers still hanging around on day 39. They still weren't believing. (laughs) Now you done seen everybody around you die. You done seen, and you still like, Noah, that old low-down drunk, he just wanted people, he wanted people money. He just trying to get people money to get them on this ark. So he can get their animals. No, he's trying to save your life. Right. He's trying to save your life. All right. Oh, and to answer that question, Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So that was his response right there. Yep, yep. Look at, go to Psalm 7 and 11. Thank you. 
God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. So how is how is man's sin described? How does how does man how is man's sin described in, in Genesis 6 and why is God angry and does he have a right to be angry? Yeah, um, it's described with them being evil, um, and things like that. And the reason why God is angry is because he continues to give them chances and he wants them to come to him and become righteous, but they just can't get it right. They choose evilness. Yeah. And so does God know who is righteous and who's not? And if so, how does he know? And where have we seen God seen in evaluating his creation? Um, so, yes, he knows who's righteous and, and who is not. The way that he knows is um, their obedience to him. And the last part of the question was where have we seen it? Yeah, where, where have we seen um, God seen in evaluating his creation? From the beginning of time, and God measures the intent of the heart, not the output of our actions so much. And see, we're different. We measure by the output of your actions. We see what you do, and we want to judge you accordingly. But God knows the heart. We He, he created us. That's just like with my kids. I'm telling you. A lot of times I get on y'all case and y'all be like, I want, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't acting like that. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I be wrong. But most of the time, because I know my children. I know. I am a witness of getting caught up. <laughs> you already know. And it's like, how do you know? I guess it's just the body language, everything. You just be knowing. And it's like, you can try to deny it. But the truth is always going to set you free. You know what you was feeling in that moment. So it's yep. better off coming back like, Mom, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, where were the people uh, living? Oh, not where. Were they living according to God's plan? And what were they doing? And then what does that tell you about man? Go back to Genesis 4 and 26. Read that for me. So Seth returned to his to his right identity and calling on the name of the Lord. Although he created a son in his own image, he began to turn and, and, and call on the name of the Lord. Uh, how many righteous men are in the earth? 
Uh, and what does this tell you about God? There's eight righteous men in the earth, because that's how many were on the ark. Um, and this tells us about God. Well, were there eight? Oh, were there eight righteous men? Oh, one. There was one. one. I'm sorry, there was one righteous man, and that was Noah. And, and, and his righteousness, man, this is about to make me emotional. Because I have since I birthed my first child, prayed the prayer, God, cover my children. As I live for you, as I walk in your will and carry out your purpose, cover and shield and protect my children. And we see in the story of Noah how his righteousness protected his family and it kept them from ultimate demise. That's why it's so important for all of us, but more so the men of the family, to get in their rightful place so that they can hear from God. Now, I'm definitely not one that'll sit up and lie and say, God only speak to the men, because we read the scripture, wasn't that earlier, that said y'all equal, (laughs) the man and the female. But it's something about having the order and structure of a man hearing from God, governing his family, and as a result of Noah, his family was saved. All right, so... Uh, all of these, we learned this last time, right? Many of these questions be redundant. Um, yeah, we already answered that. All right, we're going to jump to seven, Genesis seven. Uh, who makes it onto the ark? Okay, this is where my previous answer meant to go. Um, so there was eight people on the ark. It was Noah, Shem, his three sons and their wives. It was seven pairs of every clean animal and one pair of every unclean animal. And like I said, we don't know what they were. They could have been <laughs> that little, I saw that little horse. Oh, the horse guy. Fish looking thing. I don't know what the heck it is. But, you know, we don't know what it was. All right. So, uh, you already answered that. What does that make it? Well, what, yeah, what doesn't make it into the ark? And why do they not enter the ark? The people who were not righteous, and because God made it very clear in that scripture that I read that he was going to destroy those people and the earth um, for the evils that they were doing. And the thing that got me tonight was he said, I'm going to use the earth. Right. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to use the earth to destroy you. And it was because of their unbelief. Noah believed God. He wasn't perfect. You know, he he wasn't by any means, you know, perfect, but he was righteous. And so I think that's where a lot of times as Christians, we get confused because we expect people to perform and to be, you know, this perfect person in our minds and our standards versus being righteous, being righteous, being just you know, um, it's, it's, it's totally different. All right. So, um, mm, mm, mm. this is a good one, but I'm gonna ask this one first. Uh, what does unbelief cost the people? Yep. What does belief cost, um, Noah? Um, it, it gave him the opportunity to create a whole new generation of people. 
his belief allow him to gain? Who closes the door and why? God closed the door because it was time to fulfill what he said that he was going to do. Yeah. He closed the door. He sealed it. He said, it is done. Yep. Get on up in there. All right. After it begins to rain, what uh, do you suppose all of the people outside the ark began to do? probably they probably was some of them that saw God come and close that door they was like uh can I get in (laughs) (laughs) trying to get in like nah it's time for me to come but it's just but right somebody did I think somebody did do a movie called Noah or the ark or something like that but it's it's funny because people don't want to listen right you know one of the right one of the challenges for me and because my family is not a family of strong faith. And we didn't grow up in any of the religious type settings where we went to church frequently. And so as I grew older and I began to learn more about Christ and draw closer to him, I tried to evangelize within my own family. And I learned quickly. <laughs> I ain't called to them. I'm called. I'm called to the family in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm here to love and to embrace and, and whatever God desires for me to do. But I'm not called like I'm called to the world, you know. So. All right, so what does God promise never again to destroy the earth by? And what was the sign? The rain. And can we see that sign today? Yes, I actually see them, and sometimes I even see a double rainbow. <laughs> and it always was after it rains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's God, like, look, it ain't no flood. It ain't right. no flood. Right. <laughs> you, you, you gonna be all right. You ain't gonna be no flood. All right, all right. That is beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Um. Oh, how does Noah know to build the altar for the Lord? How does he know to do that? Uh, did the Lord tell him to? This one I might be stuck. Well, Noah knew the same way that Cain knew. He knew the same way that that, uh, Abel knew because it was passed down from generation to generation. And if you remember his great, 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 what we say, four generations, grandfather, he walked with God. He went back to God. He was beside God. So he passed that down to the generation. That's why it's so important that we pass down our knowledge of God to the next generation so that they will know him. You, I mean, can you can you just imagine never knowing anything about God 
and not having a guide, someone to tell you, okay, now, you know, this is how to pray. Even though Jesus gave us the example when the disciples asked him, they said, we see you praying all the time. How shall we pray? And Jesus gave them the blueprint for how to pray. But God has also given us the ability to come before him and pray. And that's why I'm teaching you and Sierra and Bree and everybody how to pray and cover yourself by the word. Pray the word of God. All right. So, uh, all right, let's, let's skip down to the identity how would people have acted towards Noah as he built the ark? Or how, yeah, how do you think people would have acted towards Noah as he was building the ark? And what had shaped his identity to allow him to continue building? I feel, mm. like, um, I feel like people may have looked at him crazy because they were so wrapped up in their own gods and their own ideas. Yeah. But I think And so, with um, with the people, they had never seen rain like that. They had never seen a flood like that. They had never experienced anything like that. So that's like me coming and telling somebody, all right, God told me, he said, you're going to shoot fire out the sky. You're going to keep shooting out the sky until everything is dead on the earth. We need to go build a bomb shelter or something like that. And folks looking around like, Don, look, you've been a little touched all your life, girlfriend. And we ain't going to believe you because you've probably been sippity, sippity, sipping. You know, they didn't believe him. And a lot of them were too common with him. And that's the problem with the society that we live in now, especially Christians, because they're looking for somebody that's charismatic to come and is going to hoop and hollow and holler and and, and take them for all their money and have all this emotionalism versus actually getting into the Word and trying God and experiencing Him. And Noah walked with Him. Noah talked with Him. That's what separated Him from them, His faith. He had faith. All right, how does God reward people who walk with Him by faith? Oh, that was good. <laughs> That's the key, because I think a lot of times we have fear when we look at the things that's happening in this world, and we're like, oh man, God is going to sweep us up with all of the unrighteous people, and he's like, no, I'm not that kind of God, and you have to have faith to know that I got you, I'm going to protect you, provide for you, and 
cover you, even in the midst of what you, you know, see going on in this world. All right, so let me talk a little bit about some of the truths about God and about man. So when we live within the identity of God, it affects those around us. It exposes people's sin and shame and can draw them into repentance. It makes us heirs of God's promise. Now, this is so true. It's so true. When we walk with God, when we talk with God, we are living in his identity. We are living as he designed us to live, as he originally created us, not in our own image, but in his image. Go to uh, Hebrews 11 and 7. And that's your memory verse, by the way. So our identities affect other people for good <laughs> or for ill. We always live out our theology. We always live out our theology. Everything that we do. And, and you know, I say this a lot of times. Your actions can impact so many people around you. And it's funny how God created us to be, you know, unlike Cain, our brother's keeper, you know. And we love and we have, you know, impacts from the actions of our family members or other people. Can you believe there's so many people in the cemetery that died because of the actions of people that they love? And they died prematurely without reconciling their relationship with Christ. And now they headed to hell because of the love that they have for someone and actions that somebody did that had nothing to do with them. Listen, if I die tomorrow knowing where I'm going, I'm good with it. I don't care how it's brought or anything like that. But if my life ain't right, Lord, give me some time. Just give me that 120-year warning. You ain't got to bring the flood. I, I, I got some sense. <laughs> or I think I do. All right. God hates sins. Uh, he hates sin. He gives people time to repent. But that time has an ending. And at that point, judgment is absolute. God closed the door of the ark. That means it's done. Everybody who is getting in is in. The door is shut. And one day, my God, one day he's going to shut off the door to every life, every living being, and we're going to stand before him in judgment. And, And that's why it's so important that we live the life that he designed for us to live. 
I pray that I don't breathe my last breath and not get it right with God. That would be the worst thing ever. But we know he closed the door. Not, and, and we were talking about that earlier about how he closed the door to protect them, to shut them in so that they won't be impacted by the rain. But he also shut the door to cut off any coming in and see that's that's the that's the side of God that we don't oftentimes want to recognize that in his sovereignty because he is a just God he knew that in order for the seed to be born to defeat the serpent he needed a righteous man Noah was that righteous man. And so he had to close off everybody and everything out. All right. He judges sinners. He honors the just. He protects those who belong to him. That's the key thing we got to take away from here. God protects those who belong to him. And he gives lasting signs of his promise uh, keeping. And he keeps his promise. And sin results in death. Obedience to God requires faith. It requires faith to believe and to be obedient. Noah would have had no idea what rain was. He wouldn't have known because they never seen it. And scoffers would have made fun of righteous people and reject their message. Sometimes we have to stand firm. Like I told Sierra earlier today, I said, stand your ground. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Trust God, because others who ain't never seen it before, <laughs> they ain't never seen God move like that. And and this is the thing, too, that I like to challenge people on. We listen to the wrong people all the time. We listen to people who have less faith than us, less experiences with God than us, but yet we leverage their lack of understanding. I ain't going to say ignorance, but I just said, you know, we... We put them on a pedestal higher than what we know. Now, we know we don't seen God perform miracles. We don't seen him move mountains. We don't seen God do just some phenomenal things, even in our own family, our lifetime. And yet we listen to people who don't believe. All right. So think about this. What sensitive uh, or how sensitive are you to the spiritual darkness that is around you? Do you think that you have a sensitivity to those things? Sensitive in the sense that you you can discern that it is there and around. Yes, I feel like especially within the past year, I became very sensitive to uh, spiritual darkness around me. I can really discern like wow, this is the enemy, this is a trick or tactic of the enemy, this is something that is not of God, this is something that the enemy wants to So when you think about how our society lives today, and the fact that that door is going to shut eventually, and a lot of times that door is shutting is is you seeing the back of your eyelids, or probably not seeing it because you're dead and gone. <laughs> And you haven't reconciled with Christ. But prior to the first drop of rain, can you see a contrast with how the people were living then and how we live today? Oh, yes, for sure. Because 
with the crystals and the burning of the sage and things like that, people are following social media trends not even knowing what spiritual dark gates that they're opening, not even knowing how the enemy is using them. So actually now that you say that, I can see clearly how those things back then were tricked. This happening exactly today. Nothing nothing has changed. Well, um, too, like when they say nothing new under the sun, like that's that is very true because though that is a very good comparison because it is happening today, right in front of our eyes, exactly what those people was doing back then. Yep. And if you think about it, remember earlier we were talking about exegesis and isogesis and how, you know, with the exegesis, people just, you know, they, they make up stuff. They make up scripture and people, you know, they go for it. Right. And they listen to the lies. They rather listen to the lies that will tickle their fancy or touch their emotions versus really getting into the word and 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 really communing with God and having a relationship with him. You know, y'all rather listen to people to tell you that it's okay to do A, B, and C versus somebody saying, look, I'm just going to tell you the truth. We can't live any kind of way. We can't do any kind of thing. And guess what? The rain is coming. It will come. It will return. All right, so I want you to do a quick exercise, and then we're going to end for tonight. I want you to think about and let the Holy Spirit lead you. (laughs) Think about as many people um, as you can that may be struggling in their faith, that may be struggling in their walk. Maybe some don't believe in God. Maybe others uh, believe, but they're struggling. And I want you to just write their name down. And we're gonna do it. We're gonna do that for about ten minutes. I'm gonna give you ten minutes to just every name that the Holy Spirit brings to your heart. I want you to write their name down. So, how many did you come up with? (laughs) 
four, three? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are over there writing, boy. <laughs> what I want you to do is be very deliberate. I want you to look at each of those people, and, and you don't have to do it now, but if I was you, I'd do it before the end of the night. But look at each of them and let the Holy Spirit share with you what areas of concern or prayer that you need to focus on. And I want you to intercede for them over the next seven days. I want you to, to pray for them and pray uh, for their areas that, that, that you are aware of, right? If it's salvation, if it's drugs, if it's deliverance, whatever it is, I want you to pray by faith and expect that when you pray, God is going to move miraculously over these next seven days. So by the time we come back from uh, for Bible study next week, I want you to pray for these people every day. Set aside some time and pray for them. And if you don't know the words to say, get into the word and pray the word of God. Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight and we celebrate you for this Bible study. My God, what an impartation. We thank you that you are taking your time with us and laying the foundation. My God, we just thank you. We thank you for your creation. You thank, we thank you for the examples that you're giving us as we watch our forefathers and those who came before us, Lord God. We learn from their mistakes, but more importantly, we learn for their successes and their victories, Lord God. We acknowledge that victory is ours, Father. We thank you that you have allowed us to live in abundance, to live, Lord God, a life that is pleasing to you, Lord God, as we continue to pursue your will, as we chase after you, my God. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for just being who you are in our lives. We pray tonight that you will draw our family members and those, Lord God, that you have called to this ministry. We pray, Lord God, that you will touch our communities and our city, our nation, Lord God, that you will begin to move expeditiously, Lord God, in every area and every aspect of our lives. We thank you and we bless you. We praise your holy name. Father God, we thank you. We honor you tonight. And we just ask, Lord God, that you will dispatch your angels to do that which you have commissioned them to do in each and every one of our lives as we seal this prayer tonight through our faith. We ask for immediate manifestation of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. All right.